welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hey, put your hand over your heart. We make some declarations every time that we gather together. And I want you to make these declarations with me. They should be on the screen. Let's say them together. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I'm blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. I declare that 2020 is double, double for me, double blessing double anointing, double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 65, 11, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my path will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I'm wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Well, you can be seated. And again, it's just such a great joy to have you. I got my wingman with me today. Arthur is at the piano and will be at the organ if we call for it. At the end of our, of our time here together, we're just gonna also uh, just go back into the presence of God for a few minutes. But we are talking about how to be certain in uncertain times. And I believe this is a word from the Lord for you. I believe it's a word for your family. And I just wanna encourage you uh, to get ready to receive the Word of God. Remember, if you haven't downloaded our app, Elevate Life Church app, please download that app. And again, if you're watching, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or another uh, digital space, digital media, whatever, uh, make sure that you have subscribed and make sure you're inviting other people to be a part of our church online. Well, I like to start this year, uh, every service with declaring our verse for 2020, which is Romans 12, one and two. In fact, it's on the screen right there with you. And I'd like you just to repeat it with me. And again, hopefully you're all seated now. Y'all don't have to stay standing. I'm gonna stand, y'all don't have to. But let's just read this together, just in unity. Thousands and thousands and thousands of us. Let's read together. And so, dear brothers and sisters, everybody say, that's me. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love that because God's will for you is good. That's what the Bible says. It's pleasing. That's what the Bible says. It's perfect. That's what the Bible says. So again, how to be certain in uncertain times. If you didn't watch last week, please, uh, do so when you have time, because that was part one. This is part two. It's not a continuation of that message last week, but it is a continuation 
of our conversation and this thought process of how to be certain in uncertain times. We are God's children. We are God's sons and daughters. We are God's family. We've been given an assignment to bring heaven to earth. And I just want to remind you of that. In fact, let me just, let me just tell you three things real quick that, don't, that are not in our notes. There is the Great Commission. Now I'm going to go, go backwards to go forward, okay? At the end of Jesus' life, he gives this Great Commission. Matthew 28 is one of the places where it's recorded. He says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news. Listen, is there, is, does the world need good news right now? Absolutely. We've, got, we've gotten some good news, but we need more good news. So go into the world, preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and not only preach the good news, but make disciples. Live your life in such a way that there's followable excellence for your children, for your employees, for your coworkers, for your moms, for your dads, for your children, for your family, for your family of choice. Live in such a way that you make disciples. And then it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We th we think of baptism, we think of water, but it's really a type of immersion into the kingdom is what God was talking about. In other words, don't just be baptized as a commandment to go down and, and identify with the burial and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how it's always been taught in church. But the kind of baptism Jesus was talking about was not just a command to be, to be obedient in baptism, but a command to be immersed into a kingdom way of thinking, being, and doing. This is, this is the great, what's called the great co-mission. This is the mission of all of us who call ourselves Christians, all of us who are Christ followers, all of us who are a part of God's kingdom. But then I wanna back up. Before the great commission, there was the great commandment. The great commandment, Jesus spoke it and he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He would later say, and love one another as I've loved you because evidently some people weren't loving themselves very well, so they weren't loving their neighbor very well. So again, a part of the great commandment, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not doing that very well, loving yourself, then love your neighbor as God loves you. But I hope you'll learn to love yourself. So we've got the great commission. We've got the great commandment. But I, I wanna tell you, there's a great assignment. There's a great assignment. And we talked a little bit about it last week, but it's found in Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th to the 28th verses, that we have been created in the image of God, supernaturally endowed and empowered by God to be two, not just man, but a man and a woman, because that's the power number in scripture, that if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, my father in heaven will do it. So you gotta find people to do life with. That's why we're doing life together. Even though we're not, you know, we're, we're doing what's been called social distancing, we are practicing uh, social connecting uh, by still having church and being the church and us getting in homes and us having worship and watch parties and getting together with your family. So it's very, very important for us to understand this, that it takes two, it takes two 
God says, if any two of you will agree on earth as touching anything, my Father in heaven will do it. So he creates man, male and female, then he blessed them. He didn't just bless me, he didn't just bless you, he blesses them, he blesses us. Fast forward now to Psalms 133. Psalms 133, the Bible says that when the brethren and the sisters, when the brothers and the sisters come together in unity, God commands a blessing on that place. So I wanna pause for a minute and say, if there's more than two of you in the room, there's a commanded blessing. If there's only one of you in the room, guess what? We're connected by technology, so there's two of us. We're coming into agreement right now in the name of Jesus. But he blessed them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That great assignment is what makes the greatest commandment possible. You see, you can't love just by yourself. You have to love with other people. Your love is to love God, it's to love yourself, it's to love other people, it's to love other people like God loves you. So God is always talking about us and them. He's not just talking about me and you. That's what's important about the church getting together because the great assignment makes the greatest commandment possible and the greatest commandment as we walk out love, our, our vision statement at our church here at Elevate Life Church is to love people into lifelong transformation. It's the overarching impetus for everything that we do. But watch this, if I'm not doing that, I'll never do the greatest commission. So there's the greatest assignment. There's the greatest commandment. And then there's the greatest commission. Those three things will never change. With that said, it is God's will for you to be transformed this year. Put an amen on that. I'm prophesying over you. It's God's will that you have double, double in your life. Double, not just single, but double because you're doing life more than ever before with other people. You're agreeing with other people. We're doing not just what we have to do as the church, but in this season, it's obviously God's plan for us to do kingdom and for us to do church like this. So I submit to it, I celebrate it, and we're gonna be stronger than ever in the name of Jesus. So find out ways that you can connect, find out ways that you can give, find out ways that you can support, find out ways that we can do these three things and accomplish God's purpose on the earth. As long as there's breath in my body, as long as there's breath in your body, we can do all things through Christ who is our strength. We have a, a, an assignment, we have a commandment and we have a commission and by God, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. A virus or plagues or people or evil or the devil himself cannot stop the kingdom of God from being advanced. Somebody put your hands together in the name of Jesus. So with that said, how can we be certain as God's people in a very uncertain world? First, know that God is for you. Good news. God is for you. Why don't you look at somebody in the room right now and say, God is for you. And if you're in the room by yourself, look at me and point to me and say, hey, Pastor Keith, God is for you. You know the scripture, Romans 8. What then should we say to these things? What things? Whatever things are happening right now. What's going on in your life? What are you most concerned about? By the way, whatever you're most concerned about is God's most concerned about. But make sure that what you're concerned about is what God's concerned about and don't just make God be concerned about what you're concerned about. Let me say that again. Make sure that what you're concerned about is what God is concerned about and make sure that God doesn't have to be concerned about just what you're concerned about. 
because that's what happens. What happens is we get self-focused, we get into fear. And when we get into fear, guess who we're focused on? Me, 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 me. Anytime you have fear, you're focused on me. It's the truth. You gotta know if you're gonna be certain in an uncertain world that God is for you. So what are we gonna say to these things? If God is for us, come on, who can be against us? One of my favorite stories in the Bible was a story about one of the seven great kings out of the 42 kings that reigned in both the, the, the kingdom of God with the children of Israel and with the children of Judah. There was two kings where the kingdom of God where the, the children of Israel were together, only two kings. It was David, or it was Saul and David, and actually Solomon. So there were three. So everybody was in unity under Saul, under David, and under Solomon on some level. Then Solomon had two sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. The kingdom of God split, okay? And when the kingdom of God split, some went with Rehoboam, some went with Jeroboam. From that point on, counting the first three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, there were 42 kings that reigned in the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, there were only seven good ones. Wow. Jehoshaphat, who I wanna talk about today out of 2 Chronicles 20, was one of the good ones. Now, let me just say this. Why was he one of the good ones? He was one of the good ones because he did what his priest Jehaziel said. And we're gonna to get to that in just a minute. Now, I don't wanna give you the end story on Jehoshaphat because even though he reigned for 25 years, um, he, in the end, because of his wrong alignments, it messed up his assignments, but God still considered him a good king. He made three wrong alignments at the end of his life. And I don't have time to preach about that or talk about that, but the bottom line is, it's another proof that alignments are more important than your assignments and that your alignments, the two, the people that you choose to come into agreement with will either take you up or down, will either take you forward or backward, will either take you towards success or towards failure, will either take you towards your dreams or take you towards your disillusionments. The bottom line alignments are very important. So again, I don't have time to go into that, but, but Jehoshaphat was one of seven good kings out of 42 that ruled in Israel. And it, one of the reasons is because he listened to his priest. And I'm writing a book right now called Kings and Priests. And I'm chronicling all of this history of Israel. And then Jesus, there was no kingdom to speak of except the kingdoms of, the wor of this world. When Jesus came, he said, I came to bring the kingdom of God. In fact, he came, came up out of, after being baptized. He said, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. Nobody even knew about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God mean? So we have to go back to the Old Testament to understand how the kingdom of God works and what God was thinking when he chose Abraham, who Abraham uh, was an unnamed king, but he was the first king of God. And his, he became a family, he became a tribe. Israel became a nation through his lineage, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The tribe became a nation and the tribe and the nation became a kingdom. So with all of that said, Jehoshaphat was a good king. I wanna just show you this because he lived in very uncertain times and we're living in uncertain times. No matter what happens, no matter how good the stock market does 
and on, on one hand, no matter how low gas goes, uh, just this last week, uh, Halliburton uh, laid off uh, 3,500 people. Um, the oil industry is, is seemingly uh, just crashing. And yet today in Frisco, Texas, a gallon of gas is $1.67. Good for me, good for you. $1.67 for a gallon of gas, but not so great for a whole lot of other people and 3,500 people that got laid off and many, many more. So, and again, we, here's my point. We all live in times of uncertainty. We will go through times where we're more certain than others, but we'll all live through times of uncertainty. And Jehoshaphat, God always raises up people. He always raises up kings and he always raises up priests and he always raises up kings and priests so that his kingdom goes forward in the midst of times of uncertainty. So, so what do you do with uncertainty? Because uncertainty is what strikes fear in all of our hearts. What do you do when you're afraid? In 2 Chronicles 20, here is, here is the context of what was happening. There were three kings, three kingdoms that had set themselves against the children of Judah at that time and Jehoshaphat and they were coming against Jehoshaphat. And the Bible says in verse three of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one translation said that Jehoshaphat was terrorized. I mean, terrorized. It's one thing to have a little bit of fear. It's another thing to be terrorized. He was terrorized, but it didn't stop there. The Bible says he set his face towards God. We'll get to that for just a minute. So in just a minute, but I want you to look at that. What do you, in your notes, what do you do when you're afraid? Set your face towards God. Set your face towards God. What's, hey, what's on your face? I, I, love, I love my grandchildren. I love the different stages of their life. I, I already miss all of them growing up. Because uh, I say, where's your ear? Here's my ear. Where's your nose? Here's your nose. Where's your eyes? Where are your eyes? Where's your mouth? Here's my mouth. Hey, what's on your face? Set your face towards God. You're hearing, you're seeing, you're smelling, you're speaking. So when it says he set his face towards God, it's not like, that's not what it means. Everything on your face, you're thinking. You're thinking, it's on your face. It's behind your face. You're seeing, you're hearing, your mouth, your senses. You fill up my senses. Remember that? Like a night in the forest. That was John Denver. But guess what? The enemy will use your senses against you. Where do you think your fear comes from? Your face. That's why you gotta set your face towards God and you gotta face your fear. That's what I want you to hear today. How do I be certain? God, uh, faith comes by, come on y'all, hearing, say it, hearing and hearing by the word of God. I gotta set my face towards, and you know what? I don't see things the way they are, I see things the way I am. So if you see something and it terrorizes you, Joseph, at, that's because it's showing what's in your heart. He set his face in his terror, in his fear. He set it towards God. What are you hearing right now? Turn on enough news if you want to know what's going on. I encourage you to read the real news because it doesn't matter what news you listen to. It's, it's all mixed in man's face. The face you're listening to 
It's his hearing. It's his seeing. It's his mouth. It's the way things smell to him. It's his thinking you're listening to. You're not listening to the news most of the time. You're listening to fear mongers on both sides. Set your face towards God. Number six, I love this. This is called the priestly blessing. And I'm gonna speak it over your life. I do every week at our church and I'm gonna do it at the end of our time together. Speak to Abraham and, or I'm sorry, Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So as a priest, this is the way we bless. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. What does that mean? The Lord make his seeing what he sees in you. Did you know God always sees the best in you? The, the Lord set his hearing towards what, what, what's coming out of your mouth. What are you giving God to work with or what are you giving the devil to work with? God sets his face towards you because he's looking for you to, he's looking for a face off. He's looking for a face to face with you. So that the way you see is the way he sees. I love my, my wife's twin. I love her. I'll go on record saying I love her. Her name's Charla. I love her. You know why I love her? Because when I see them interact, and I have since I was 15, you're seeing one gene split and you're seeing the same eyes, the same ears, the same genetics, except by the way, their fingerprint. They got unique fingerprints. Everything else is the same. I love watching them and I had a revelation when I was about 18 and I told them both this. So when I watch y'all, I said, it fascinates me because when I see you interact and Sheila, I see you finish sentences for your sister and Charlotte, I see you finish sentences for your sister and I see your mannerisms and I hear the tonality in your voice. You know what I see? I see God in you. You're a natural example of supernaturally how God wants us to be. He wants us to be the image of who he is on the earth and it starts with our face and so what Jehoshaphat did is what we need to do in uncertain times. And we need to get face to face with God, get on our face with God and say, God, I give you my hearing. I give you my seeing. I give you my mind. I give you my mouth. I give you my smell, the way things smell to me. It just doesn't seem right. Guess what? Get face to face with God and he'll even in the wrong, he'll make things right. But he didn't just set his face towards God. The Bible says that he fasted and he prayed. It's a good time to fast and pray. I love what Matthew 7, 21 says, Jesus' disciples, man, they, they had this, this situation and it was a kid that was uh, possessed by a demon. He kept throwing himself into the fire and they tried to cast the demon out of him and they couldn't. And they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's up? I thought you, you know, I thought you gave us, behold, I give you power to trample over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus had told him that. I, I, behold, I give you power to trample over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall separate you. You're gonna have power, it's gonna be awesome. And then they try to cast a demon out of a little boy. Then a little boy throws himself in the fire. And can you imagine he comes out of the fire, he's on fire going, what are y'all trying to do? What's up? On fire. They come to Jesus and say, we can't do this. Look what Jesus said. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You know, Arthur, sometimes, sometimes when you don't know what to do, by the way, that's when uncertainty, when you don't know what to do, just fast. That's what I do. That's what I do. I fast. I fast. Watch this. I don't fast just to move God's hand. I fast to move myself more towards God. I fast to focus more on God. And guess what? I begin to see God, hear God, feel God, smell God, know God. 
So when you know that God is for you, whom should you be afraid? What do we say about these things? If God is for you, who can be against you? Set your face towards God, fast and pray. Second Chronicles 20, verse six through nine, here's what it says. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat prayed. He said, oh Lord God of our ancestors. He's reminding him, God, you've been God a long time. And you alone are God in heaven. So you've been God in the past and you're God up there. And you're ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. Wow, you're God of the past. You're, you're God of the heavens. You're, you're, you're God on earth. That's how he starts his prayer. You're powerful and mighty. God, we honor you. God, I want to stop right now. Y'all say that with me. Say, God, you are powerful and mighty. Come on, say that. God, you're, you're the God of the heavens. You're the God of the past. God, you're the God of the earth. If you're God of the heavens and you're God of the earth and you're God of the past, then I trust you right now in the present that you have a great future for me, God, because you, if, you, if, you, if you are God of the past and I'm still standing, I'm still here. My family's still here. God, that must mean that I ain't dead yet. That means that you have a great future for my life. That's what Jehoshaphat was doing. No one can stand against you, God. No virus, no nothing. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when the people of Israel arrived? Did you not give this land to your descendants, your friend to Abraham, your people settled here, they built a temple to honor your name? Then he said, Jehoshaphat said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, virus, famine, we can come stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored and we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and you will save us. Come on, God is hearing us and God is gonna save us. What do you do when you're afraid? You set your face towards God, you fast and pray, and then you stand in God. You stand in God. Here's what Ephesians says. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Y'all stand up with me. Come on, just real quick. Just stand up with me. It's only for a minute. Only for a minute. Stand up. Take on the whole armor of God that you may have been withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Everybody say, I'm standing. I'm standing. Say it out loud. Say, I'm standing. Are you standing? Don't sit on the couch right now. Don't be in the recliner right now. Don't just be... If, if you're not in a car, be standing up somewhere. Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth. God, we put on the belt of truth. Just do it symbolically right now. We put on the belt of truth. Having the breastplate of righteousness, God, we put it on. Having shot our feet in the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking on the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We take on the helmet of salvation. Come on, put it on with me. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So here's what happened. Back to Jehoshaphat now. Back to 2 Chronicles 20. After he set his face towards God, after he fast declared his own fast and prayed, here's what he did. He stood up and he said, listen to this. This is, this is Jehaziel now. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 and 17. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah. This is what the Lord says to you. And they stood with their wives and their children. That's verse 13. They stood with their wives and their children and here is what Jehaziel said. Know that the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. The battle is not yours. This battle, no matter what battle you face, it is not yours, but it's the Lord's. So what do we do in uncertain times? 
How can we be certain? Number one, we can know that God is for us. Number two, we can know that the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. As we stand with our families in our living rooms or wherever you are, as we stand with the people that are around us, we stand in faith. We stand with the belt of truth, the blessed pride of righteousness. We stand today with our feet shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace. We stand with the helmet of salvation. We stand with the shield of faith. We stand with the sword of the spirit. And when the enemy looks at us, he doesn't know if he's seeing Jesus or he's seeing us. Why? Because we have the armor of God on us. And we stand not in the name of Keith Craft, but I stand in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I take my stand with my family. And I say, as for me and my house, as for me and my family of origin, as for me and my family of choice, we will serve the Lord. And guess what? We will overcome whatever enemy it is that we ever face. Come on, somebody put an amen on that. But we stand in God with our children. And then the prophet said, you, will, you won't even have to fight this battle. Just take your positions. Wow. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid, say that with me, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, say do not be discouraged. Go out and face them. <laughs> I know I'm getting a little crazy. I set my face towards God, he's in my face and guess what I do? I look at the coronavirus, I look at whatever it is in my life and I face it. I don't fear it. I don't fear it. I used to travel all the time. Some of y'all know this story. I traveled all the time and I'd be gone from Saturday to early Thursday morning. We do crusades all over the country and uh, get in late Saturday night in a city, Podunkville, usually some out of the way place, Yaleville, Arkansas, crazy places you never even heard of and have thousands of people saved by the way. But one Thursday morning, uh, I actually, uh, my, my flight was actually delayed and I didn't get in until late Thursday night. And all day long while I was stuck in the airport, I told my son, Josh, he's about six. I said, hey, when I get home, I'm gonna take you to the park. He said, okay, daddy, okay. I got home about two in the morning. Normally I get home early Thursday morning. It's two in the morning, Friday morning. And so I told Pastor Precious, I told Sheila, I said, listen, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, wake Josh up and take him to the park. She goes, baby, it's, it's 1.30 in the morning. It's almost two o'clock in the morning. I said, yeah, but I told him I'd take him to the park. And she goes, okay, but you're gonna, you're gonna put him back to bed. You're gonna put him back down. Arthur, that's what she told me. She goes, you're gonna put him back. I said, okay. So I wake him up, I go, hey son. He wakes up. I said, we're going to the park. He goes, okay. Is, is it morning? We got out of his bed. We walk outside. We lived in Arlington at that time. And about two blocks down from our house was a park. And uh, we walk outside and he goes, Daddy, it's dark. I go, come on. So I'm holding his hand. We walk down these steps that, where we lived. And, um, and we get across the street and it's just trees. It's pitch black. And we are walking towards the park and he's pulling against me. He's like, just, he's, I go, son, what are you doing? He goes, dad, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I go, son, listen, I'm with you. I am with you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. I told you I'd take you to the park and we're going to the park. And he goes, it's dark. I go, I know it's dark. 
I go, what are you afraid of? He goes, of what I can't see. Isn't that what we're all afraid of? And you don't have to be six or 60 to know that fear. I'm afraid of what I can't see, of what I don't know, of uncertainty. I said, come on, son. So finally he walked down with me. We got down to the park. It's all lit up. It's only us. We played for about an hour. To this day, my son may not remember this, but to this day, that was one of my favorite times ever with my son. We, we didn't have to worry about other people in the park. We, make it, we were laughing, running from swing to swing, running from caterpillar thing to, to the rings. To, and he was just going nonstop, wearing me out. I'd already had a very long day. We stayed there honestly for about an hour, maybe even an hour and a half, and we walked back. And you know what? When I laid my head down in, 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 that night in bed, I thought, first of all, I, I did what I said I was gonna do, but I also helped my son face his fear. You see, when you, when, you, when you face God, you can face fear. When you face God and you get your hearing right and your seeing right and your speaking right and your smelling right and your senses right, the enemy can't use your senses that God gave you to sense him against you. And guess what happens? Then when you find your face facing something, you take your position with the armor of God, with your family. By the way, God's for you and he's for your family. And you, you stand and when you've done all you can do to stand, look what he says. You won't have to fight this battle. The Lord is gonna fight it for you. This is a vast army, but the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Come on, y'all, put an amen on that. Now you can be seated. You can be seated. I hope you were standing during that time or you missed it. <laughs> How do you be certain in an uncertain world? Let me close by saying this. First of all, you have to know God is for you. Secondly, you have to know the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. Say that out loud right now, whatever it is. God, this battle is not mine. It's yours, Lord, I give it to you. And then here's the last thing. You have faith in God and you have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. I don't expect anybody to follow me in battle if I'm not living what I preach. Now, it doesn't mean I'm perfect at it, but I'm striving to live what I preach. That's what makes a prophet a prophet. He speaks out for God. That's what makes you a prophet of your home, sir. That's what makes you a prophet of your home, ma'am. That's what makes you a prophet of yourself when you speak what God says. Look what the Bible says, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Early in the morning they left and they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and he said, listen to me, Judah. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. That means you won't fall. I said, you won't fall. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Verse 21 and 22. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers. And I want all of our singers to come on out here right now. He appointed singers to walk ahead of the army and they began to sing to the Lord and praise him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. 
And at the very moment that they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to fight against themselves. I have prophesied this all along. This virus is gonna fight against itself. And whatever, whatever they're coming up with, as even as we're speaking, and have already come up with. There's people in Israel that are claiming to have a vaccination right now. There's people that are claiming right now that the same thing that attacks malaria and that virus is gonna work to attack this. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. It's not gonna be eight weeks. I'm stepping out by saying this. This thing is gonna come to an end in the name of Jesus. You know why? Because if God can make three enemies turn on themselves and defeat themselves, God can make this thing, whether it's through another virus or whatever it is to defeat itself in the name of Jesus. I believe it 110%. If he did it then, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. If he did it then, he'll do it again. Oh, by the way, Jehoshaphat and all the people watched the problem take care of itself without fear, by the way. And then they went down and the Lord said, go get all the plunder. And they took all the gold, all the silver, all the horses, all the everything. And it took them three days to gather it all up. Father, I just thank you for right now what you're doing in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are fixing what we can't fix. And I am certain of that. You are fixing what we can't fix and I am certain of that. And I thank you that in these times of uncertainty, the church is arising, that God, we are standing up on our feet and God, according to your word, we will be upheld and we will lead the way with our worship. I said, we will lead the way with our worship. And God, I thank you that, that just as your word says, that when they begin to sing, immediately it turned, it turned. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.